Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast where it is a very newsy minorly stat nerd Thursday post NFL trade deadline. Uh, I'm Matt Harmon. And of course, that means I'm joined every week by fellow stat aficionado Dalton Del Don. Dalton, how are you doing? And how disappointed I would say how disappointed are you from the fallout of the NFL trade deadline? But like, (laughs) I did not think we would have this much to talk about on this show after the trade deadline. But suddenly we have an awful lot of things to discuss today. Yeah, trade deadline was a typical dud, but there's a ton of breaking news. So yeah, looking forward to a, a lot of stuff to talk football with you today. All right, man. Well, then let's not waste any more time. Let's uh, dive into it. But first thing we found out this morning, we, we ended up finding out a lot of things today. But first of it was that Michael Thomas announced himself that he is going to be out for the season. Uh, he re-injured uh, his ankle during the rehab situation. Um, it does sound like from the way Sean Payton has talked about it, that this is not it. Cause I know there's a lot of just put it whispers that they're, uh, if not total screams that the saints have been extremely frustrated with Michael Thomas throughout this rehab. I would note that if you're optimistic about Michael Thomas, eventually uh, returning to the new Orleans saints, it does sound like that Sean Payton shared Thomas's frustrations that this was a legitimate setback and not like another uh, thing that he was irritated with Thomas about. So I just wanted to note that uh, off the top. But man, Dalton, like I was not one of the people that was overly optimistic about Michael Thomas, like that he would return right when he was eligible to or, you know, something like that. I thought we were kind of in the wilderness with the timeline. Uh, I'm not I don't know about you. I wasn't personally holding him in any league out there. Uh, But man, if he's officially gone for the season, we know there's no more Jameis. This Saints death chart is looking pretty bare, to say the least. Yeah, it's a disaster for those that, you know, spent a mid-round pick on Thomas and then held him this long. But uh, he's obviously droppable now. And it was going to be a problem with the quarterback situation being shaky uh, in New Orleans moving forward. Um, I, that, my big takeaway in New Orleans is I hope Taysom Hill is recovered enough from his uh, concussion to start this week. And if so, I have him ranked right away as a top 10 fantasy QB. Uh, the Falcons are a great matchup. And he just runs. I mean, it's it's so simple to say. He's a cheat code. I think Scott Barrett tweeted it out. But over the last decade, Hill leads all quarterbacks in fantasy points per drop back. Now, I know that that's a little bit misleading because he comes in the goal line. But it's just that's just what the, the position lends you to, the rushing stats. And he'll get them. So I'm excited about him in fantasy terms. And in DFS, you know, he's he's very affordable this week before he, before he starts putting up the fantasy stats. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was Taysom Hill was limited in practice today alongside Teron Armstead, Dwayne Washington. Uh, like if he gets back, you're right. He's immediately, I think, on the fringe QB one discussion uh, over his last four starts, which, of course, came in 2020, 28 and a half passes on average, 9.8 carries on average and 21 fantasy points on average. Uh, according to John Daigle from NBC Sports, that ranked as the QB three. QB 13, QB 8, and QB 11 in those four games. So, yeah, I mean, he is absolutely right there uh, in terms of his fantasy outlook. And it just is going to kind of change the tenor of this offense. Do you think this matters for Alvin Kamara at all? I mean, he already wasn't getting the targets they were used to outside of that Seattle game where it's like Pete Carroll apparently just learned that Alvin Kamara could catch passes out of the backfield and didn't know how to quite solve that problem mid-game. Uh, do you think this really moves the needle for Kamara at all? I know for me personally, I don't think it does. I'm super interested because he, uh, Hill ignored him as a receiver for great stretches and then targeted him like 10 games another time. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it moves the needle either way, but he could be a nu- nuisance at the goal line, stealing some touchdowns. But, That's you know, true. look at the you look at the rest of the running back landscape and Kamara, it can fluctuate anywhere, you know, around RB5. I mean, basically, but he's fine. A must start each week regardless. Derek Cardi's the blitz uh, projection system has Taysom Hill as the sixth highest scoring quarterback this week ahead of Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, and Kyler Murray. I mean, it's pretty wild, man. I mean, it's interesting to see what he can do. Yeah, I get it. And like, in addition to, you know, Taysom Hill's rushing upside, I, I think he's o- was okay as a passer in those four games. I know two of them were against the Falcons defense and like what a what a nightmare that defense uh, was last year and really is every single year. And then there was the one weird though his worst game was like the Kendall Hinton Broncos game last year. So I don't know how much stock to put right. into that. And obviously the Broncos defense was much better last year than it is this year. Uh, I, I don't think he is like a complete zero as a passer. At least he's like willing to be aggressive and fling that thing downfield. Actually, you know, obviously we're not going to get the Michael Thomas Taysom Hill connection, but Thomas actually did put up decently productive numbers with Taysom Hill in the fold. So uh, I, I I wouldn't rule – not that you're really interested in any of these pass catchers for, for New Orleans. Like Traquan Smith, forget about it. Like Marquez Callaway, we know that's not really happening. But I think from just a moving the offense perspective, he can still do it. And, you know, we talked about uh, Coach of the Year in our little pre, pre-show chat here. Sean Payton's making his case to be uh, Coach of the Year at this point. Like – that game plan last week with Trevor Simeon and just like immediately getting him ready to roll and, and beating up on a, a Bucks defense that has a lot of talented players, that was really impressive. And I think Peyton's been really impressive all year. Now he just gets like another. You know, there's all there's always a theory that these guys like Sean Payton they like relish the chance to really do something weird with the backup quarterback. You know, Bill Belichick was like excited about the post Tom Brady era. Um, Kyle Shanahan loves to, you know, saddle himself with a Kirk Cousins or a Jimmy G just to be like the guy at the controls. I kind of think there's a part of Sean Payton that's like, all right, Jameis is out. Like, let me let me just figure it out with Taysom. I I still expect this offense to be pretty good. Super impressive win last week, losing Winston and then still beating the Bucks. Absolutely by Payton. And now this week, uh, the Falcons have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to uh, to opposing quarterbacks. So again, if Hill is healthy, I think he's an immediate uh, fantasy option. Um, but yeah, and then and then also the Saints are an option for Survivor too. Uh, it's a week that many of the uh, though the big favorites have been used. Um, with even with uncertain quarterback situation there, though we'll talk more about that uh, here in a bit. But they're they are a Survivor option this week. Low blow, man. My survivor, uh, my survivor league was slaughtered 
last week thanks to Mike White. Uh, me, I went, I went down. I lasted a long time in the year, but like me and like five of the seven other people that were remaining, whoosh, got our, got our, got our heads beaten in by Mike White. <laughs> yeah, it t- didn't take me long to. Sorry, it was a good week for me in Survivor. I talked my, uh, I, I partnered with a buddy. We were having a six million dollar Survivor pool in, in Las Vegas, and he wanted to go Bengals, and I was just adamant against it. I was <sighs> just worried about Mike White, and I sweated out the Monday Night Chiefs one was lucky, and that nearly lost too, admittedly. But uh, just for one week, I'm pretty pumped because that pool that that pool's down to 1,100 people, yeah. six million dollar prize. Hell yeah, um, buddy! So, yeah, so, so I'm really into it, as you can already tell. I'm already like thinking Saints or or, or Dolphins or another option for me. I'm going to talk about here, uh, believe it or not, here 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 in a bit. Oh hell yeah, buddy! I loved I love it, man. I wish you know I don't know if we ta- we're going to talk about the Mike White thing later. So let's save it because um, now yeah, yeah, now yeah, sure. now I'm yeah. like, man, I wish I'd talked to you more about this Mike White thing. I could have moved off the Bengals, but we'll get to that. Hey, we're burying the lead here. We're almost 10 minutes into the show, and we haven't talked about the biggest news item in the entire NFL, which is that Aaron Rodgers is COVID positive. He will miss this week against Kansas City. And he is, uh, if you haven't heard by now, he is not vaccinated. So he is not eligible to return until Saturday, November 13th. That means he will miss all practices next week. Uh, Green Bay plays Seattle on November 14th. So that is the next time we will see Aaron Rodgers. Um, In addition to all of this, there is a chance that he could face a suspension from the NFL, or at least there could be some kind of discipline coming here for not following league protocols for unvaccinated players. The NFL has stated that it is officially reviewing the situation. For those who are not familiar, you know, Rogers said he was, quote, immunized, I think, back on the August 21st when asked, have you been vaccinated? He said, yeah, I've been immunized. Uh, and, and then, you know, We've all just assumed that he's well, he was vaccinated. Well, apparently we find out today, uh, Wednesday morning, that he is not. So that's where we're at right now. Let's just talk about like kind of the football implications of all of that. There's a lot of ways we could spin off the discussion. But um, from a fantasy sense, w- what does this do for Green Bay? Um, also, by the way, the third string quarterback, Kurt Benkert, that's a fun name to say, is also COVID positive. So we're going to get our first Jordan Love start here. And Blake Bortles, the savior, is already on his way back to Green Bay. Might be signed by the time you hear this. Yeah, it sucks. COVID is hitting the league hard this week. This game's uh, projected to have the highest over-under, 55.5 points, already down to 48. This was going to be the afternoon game for DFS players. But now, I mean, I guess you could use Devontae Adams to be contrarian because he's not going to be rostered. But he's uh, obviously he takes a hit. He's no longer a top three type fantasy wide. But you're still starting him. I expect a full on running back game plan with Dylan getting plenty of action, too. Yeah, it'll be Love's first career start. Uh, in Arrowhead at least he gets you know an inviting defense that's allowing the most yards per play in the NFL Um, but this is uh, you know the the Chiefs offense is struggling too so unfortunately this is going to be more of a lower scoring game and I think it pretty much kind of nicks every fantasy player involved with Rodgers absence I I will say for Devontae Adams who by the way as we are recording this I don't think has actually come off the COVID list yet Uh, Green Bay is having a a big situation there that's going on so we haven't we don't even know if he's going to technically be playing in this game, but let's just assume he is. Um, Ian Harditz from Pro Football Focus shared the, uh, Devontae Adams' eight games when he was forced to play with Brett Hundley in 2017. Pretty solid stat line during that stretch. He was the PPR wide receiver 12, you know, uh, as Harditz says. Obviously, that's not as good as if Aaron Rodgers was the Green Bay Packers starting quarterback, but, you know, it wouldn't be the absolute stone worst for Devontae Adams. Also, it's worth noting that was with Brett Hundley in 2017. Right. Like Devontae Adams hadn't even reached 
full Devonte Adams form yet. So I wouldn't. I would I would still be playing Devontae Adams, no question about it, uh, regardless of Aaron Rodgers' status, you know, against the Chiefs. Like, we'll see what we get from Jordan Love. But I love your point about Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams are still definite guys. A.J. Dillon, you know, A.J. Dillon, I think, has looked really good. Like, he's somebody I would still be trying to trade for down the stretch, maybe even going into this matchup. Like, I know that it's kind of like a give or take thing for the AJ Dillon manager. Cause they've probably held him this long, you know, in the hopes that obviously if something happens to Aaron Jones, they've got themselves a league winner, but they've also got a pretty decent flex guy. Anyways, now you're going into a matchup against the chiefs. You can probably play him, but at the same time, you still could capitalize on this like anti Aaron Rodgers news where you might be able to grab AJ Dillon, start him this week. And of course still have that lottery ticket. And Bakhtiari is coming back soon. They're a big, awesome left tackle. Yep. So, yes, I, I like uh, Dylan's definitely, I think, a flex option this week. And I'm going to go really, really deep. Maybe you can talk me out of this. But assuming oh Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is still remains on the IR, um, I think DFS, the, the minimum, 10 bucks, or even if you're searching for a, a deep flex option, Derek Gore saw six opportunities in 15 snaps in the red zone last week and just clearly looked better than Darrell Williams. I mean, just passed yeah. the eye test. I know his, his you look at his player profile, is pretty horrible, uh, workout metrics but the guy looked uh, frankly he looked better than ceh out there i mean he was patient and making plays and it was like kind of obvious when he was in the game versus williams with the ball in his hands um so i don't know suddenly they're seven point favorites at home against a green bay defense that ranks 30th in run defense dvoa i don't know man i think Derek gore is like a real real deep deep flyer this week yeah chase edmonds james connor both ran pretty well against this packers defense last week and I don't hate this take at all. I would at least stash a guy like Derek Gore at the minimum because, look, man, like, dude, (laughs) the Chiefs, we never say this about almost any team because, like, we're too highbrow in football these days to talk about this. And we certainly never thought we'd say it about a team with Patrick Holmes, but, like, the Chiefs got to run the damn ball better and they got to run the damn ball more, right? Like, it's just so obvious when, you know, these clowns out there talking about like, oh man, two high defenses have really, that's, it's become Patrick Mahomes kryptonite or something like that. Like, well, if the team could and would run the freaking ball, you know, at like four or five yards a carry every now and again, that that'll solve your problem right there. Like that'll solve the problem. So if, if this guy, Derek Gore, no relation to Frank Gore, right? Like he's not None, Frank Gore. Right. He's not Frank Gore's grandson. I mean, Frank Gore, you know, he's been around forever, but not that that much forever. Um, I was at least I missed this game live. I was out to dinner for my fiance's birthday. Oh. I missed the game. I missed the game live, so uh, I didn't see the whole Gore experience happen. But I checked the box score later. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Strahan was on the Manning cast and he like did a double take. Is that Frank Gore? Yeah, no, really. And you know, his son is like a freshman in college. It was that's almost what, possible that it could. Yeah, that's what I thought. I knew he had a son yeah. like coming up at some point. Yeah. I was like, yeah. wait a second. I feel like I would have. It's like I, yeah. I I follow the sport, right? This is my job. I feel like I would know if Frank Gore's son had had hit the league. I feel like this would have been something. I mean, at the worst, I would have seen a tweet about it at some point, right? But no, he, no relation there. Uh, but still, yeah, I think that this team needs to run the ball more. They need to run the ball better. Like they theoretically get this guy Orlando Brown to be their left tackle, who's like a much better road grading offensive line. Like I think the Chiefs at some point need to have like a come to Jesus moment about how they need to call plays the rest of the way. So I agree with you. I'd I'd stash Derek Gore just on the off chance that he ends up becoming uh, that guy for them. Any other thoughts on Green Bay? I mean, it's just like, it is what it is with this Rodgers thing. Like, you know, we'll see what Jordan, I'm excited at least to see Jordan Love because if Rodgers wasn't done in Green Bay now, I feel like this is only going to, cement the frosty relationship there 
Yeah, and I mean, starting Adams and, and Jones, and I, I don't, it's more of an unknown. We don't know what we're going to get about Love. So I'm more curious your take on the Chiefs here, who's, Mahomes, is he playing hurt? He's gotten fewer than six yards per attempt in three of the last four games. At some point, it's not just the turnovers. And I just wanted to circle back at our funny uh, hot take of uh, Kyle Pitts over Travis Kelsey rest of the oh, season yeah. is tight in one. And they both just put up the worst. I know. Pitts somehow, Pitts somehow got shut down and almost look, our take almost looks better still because I, mean, I know, he had right? Gilmore, right? He, had, he had Gilmore on him and they had no preparation. They didn't know that Ridley was going to be out right before. Yep. The last time they had a week to prepare with Ridley out, he led the team in targets a double digit. So I think Ridley without, I mean, without Ridley, Pitts looks great moving forward and Kelsey I'm not going to say washed but man that he lost a fumble late that nearly cost my survivor he's 33 years old something's wrong there so I, I mean yeah. I think it's funny that uh, that Pitts doesn't get 20 yards yet honestly he looks I like him even better than, than Kelsey moving forward I know right I'm, I'm I felt the exact same way I'm like god what an idiot you know that, that I had this whole discussion all week about Kyle Pitts like maybe being you know we're parking we're parking in the driveway. We haven't pulled in the garage yet. I made that, and that stupid analogy several times. And like then it's like, oh, great. Kyle Pitts has this rough game against the Panthers. Also, the one thing I was a little spooked about is that he did come out after the game and say, I heard that, yeah. um, you know, there were more defenders on top of me, yada, yada. That's going to be the case going forward without Calvin Ridley. I mean, who else are you dictating defensive attention? And actually, in, in, in some way, because they use Kyle Pitts as an outside uh, wide receiver so often they line up he's actually easier to double that way than he would be if he was just lining up as a traditional inline tight end or a slot receiver so that's that does just have me spooked a little bit but then yeah Kelsey uh, I didn't again didn't didn't see the game live have did rewatch it a little bit afterwards look at the box where I'm like oh man this is not great yeah I don't know what's up with the I think that the problem with the Chiefs are is that they're extreme they're an extremely limited team right now. I don't think Hill is a hundred percent. I definitely don't think Kelsey is a hundred percent. And they just have nothing going on behind them. And they don't run the ball and they can't really run the ball that well. So it's just kind of Mahomes and I then I think Mahomes is pressing. Like if you can if you can shoot one like criticism at him I think that has caused the turnovers uh, I do think he is pressing a little bit and yeah there's just not a lot of vertical like teams are trying so hard uh you know to we're going to come back to the Chiefs later on when we do a little discussion during the stats segment but there's just basically my my thoughts are that that the Chiefs are an extremely limited team right now and that's that's why we're we are where we are with them Fair, but man, it was limited. Would would be uh, appropriate watching a Monday night. That was uh, that was rough, man. They needed a couple calls to go to go my way to survive that one. Yeah, you shouldn't be in a competitive fourth quarter game with the Giants at home. Okay, like period. Losing all their players. I mean, they, Tony left the locker room. I mean, Shepard left. Our guy Shepard. Yeah. I mean, it, this, yeah, he's losing everyone, and it was still very, very down to the right down to the end. Yeah, tough scene. Uh, the team that the Packers played last week, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, are not out of the COVID woods either. They placed AJ Green on the COVID list with a positive test. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has been hobbled as well. Uh, AJ Green obviously is persona non grata right now because of his, his end zone situation from the last game. But yeah, if there's if Hopkins is still hobbled, there's no green. That's a pretty big stock up for Christian Kirk, who has played on the outside before and definitely Rondale Moore, who I think would move into the primary slot receiver role there. Oh, I mean, Kyler Murray's status is up in the air, too, here. Who knows with yeah. his ankle injury? So this is just a wait-and-see thing. I mean, if Murray starts and both receivers are out, I mean, Kirk could be an awesome start this week. If Colt McCoy starts, you know, it could be a problem for everyone involved there. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's just a wait-and-see approach in Arizona. But, yeah, a lot, a lot of injury situations there. 
And we're not done with COVID news because Saquon Barkley of the aforementioned New York Giants is COVID positive. He is vaccinated, so he could still play on Sunday with two negative tests between now and then. Uh, But that is a situation worth monitoring. It sounds like he's about ready to make his return. But the Giants also have more bad news. As you mentioned, Sterling Shepard is going to miss, quote, sometime with the quad strain. You know, Kadarius Toney, I think, is going to move into that 50% slot role. That's good news for him. But, man, Dalton, the Giants. Like, I know that people are out there pissed about Sterling Shepard because he can't stay healthy. Let me ask you this, Dalton. Who has stayed healthy on the Giants the last two years? Who? Who is it? I mean, like, Kenny Galladay, hurt all the time. Evan Ingram, hurt all the time. Saquon Barkley, hurt the last two years. You know, Kadarius Toney, been hurt multiple times this year. Uh, Sterling Shepard, obviously, as well. Even Dante Pettis. The great Dante Pettis had a couple little injuries flare up here, too. So, I'm not, I don't know what to say about the Shepard thing other than like, yeah, we know when he's when he's in there, when he's healthy, he gets like double digit targets and you start him. I think it's a stock up for Kadarius Tony. But I'm also like, man, something's going on there with New York that all of their skill position players seem to get banged up every single year. And their left tackle, Andrew Thomas. Yeah, Evan Ingram's always banged up. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's it's really a lot of injury problems. It's rivaling any team in the league, at least offensively. Love Tony, though. Hopefully that injury to the hand was just a laceration and not something that'll hobble him. Uh, the ankle injury seemed serious, but he seems like a, a tough guy fighting it through. Uh, the reports in the, on the game seemed like Barkley's swelling kind of reappeared, um, but... Assuming he's good to go, obviously you're firing him up. The Raiders have actually allowed the second fewest YPA in the NFL this year. Very uh, impressive, but uh, I'm still ranking Tony as a borderline top 25 uh, wideout this week with with no Shepard there. Yeah, I would agree. And then they get the Bucks uh, on November 22nd, their next game. That's a pretty good matchup, obviously, for wide receivers. And they get the Eagles, who are a soft, soft, soft defense there. And then we've got the uh, Dolphins on December 5th. So it's a really good schedule for the Giants once they play this game. Then they go out of their bye, hopefully get a little bit healthier. So we shall see. But, yeah, I think it's a big stock up for Kadarius Tony. And just hopefully they can. I mean, it's just like one of those things where I just don't know when we're ever going to see all these guys healthy which together, which is uh, an unfortunate situation. An unfortunate situation has been the uh, Panthers' approach to Christian McCaffrey the last year and a half, really. Um, He is designated to return from IR. He's tentatively scheduled to play versus New England this week. How do you expect the Christian McCaffrey thing to go? Because I'm kind of skeptical that they could possibly return to, like, the 90% of snaps, 20-plus touches every single week usage with him. But, God, they need something going on in their offense, and they keep talking about how much they want to run the hell out of the ball because they don't want their quarterback to do anything. It's a strange – I think it is a strange time with Christian McCaffrey to try to project his role when he gets back. My read on this is he needs another week and he won't be back, but I could very well be wrong. And if he is active, you're obviously using him. Uh, The Gilmore revenge game for Carolina here. Who knows who's even starting at quarterback um, this week for Carolina. But um, yeah, I mean, you're using McCaffrey if he's active. But man, hopefully he can get back on the field and then stay on the field and they don't you know, rush him back and experiences any more setbacks. But yeah, he would be very heavily featured immediately if he is able to be on the field. No question about that. Because uh, yeah, you know, the, the Belichick famously shuts down the opposing team's number one player. Is that going to be DJ Moore without McCaffrey or is that going to be with McCaffrey on the field? Yeah, we shall see. Uh, We're going to talk about the Panthers a little bit later as well. Another big story uh, this morning, Odell Beckham was excused from Cleveland's practice. He was set to show up for practice, and then they basically told him to go away. 
Uh, Stefanski has told the team that Odell is no longer part of the team and not coming back this season. What's going to happen here? Like, is a release coming? Because Jason Lockenfora from CBS said that Cleveland was willing to work out a financial resolution, but they're not willing to waive him. So don't know what that means. And obviously we're past the NFL trade deadline. So are they just going to straight up cut Beckham? Uh, Beckham's dad posted someone else's YouTube video showing that like Beckham was getting open all the time. Are we really at this point? Because uh, number one, Odell Beckham Sr., come back to us, bro. Like, this is not Little League football. <laughs> like, you, you, your son's playing in the NFL. Like, relax for a second with the with the YouTube videos. And secondly, obviously, there's always been something going on between Baker and Odell. I will – I'm gonna, I'll take the L right here right now on, like, consistently trying to – like, oh, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They're obviously not going to figure it out. And it seems like there's some deeper issues here than just – they don't have chemistry. I mean, they they clear they might not have chemistry as two people IRL. So, I don't know, man. What where where are we at? Like, I think Beckham is a guy that you can drop if he's not going to play for another team. But if he is going to play for another team, I, I don't know. I'm at least interested in that mildly. Yeah, you can drop him. I, I'm surprised they 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 probably shopped him, right? They couldn't even get a seventh round pick from Beckham. I I, I was dead wrong on him too. I liked him as our, a fifth our sixth own, round uh, well, our, candidate. Our former colleague Kimberly Martin reported at ESPN that they were close to a deal with the Saints or at least were talking to the Saints about a deal but they couldn't agree on like financial compensation because he is uh he still has a rather large cap number that's the problem sure there. okay that makes total sense yeah I liked him and drafted him in the fifth or sixth round of fantasy leagues as a bounce back candidate this year he's been a disaster and yeah I think you're safe to drop him at this point unfortunately yeah it's a bummer I, I just I hope that we get a second act from Beckham somewhere. It's just obviously not going to happen in Cleveland. But um, you also have to wonder if just like the injuries have really, you know, taken a toll to a point that like and and now I think if you're a Browns fan, you got to really be hating this situation because like it's all anybody's talking about right now is like what's going on here. and, And it's just like the last thing you probably wanted if you were a Browns fan coming into this year. So I don't know. And Mayfield's not playing well either. So it's not like one of those things where. I don't think, and for all the you know goofballs out there who want to point to like the on-off splits with Beckham and Mayfield, like, do we really expect like you just gonna pop Beckham off the offense and Mayfield with his bum shoulders suddenly gonna behind a bad offensive line too with a lot of injuries? That was a story that went like so under discussed coming into this year was that Mayfield played behind one of the best offensive lines, one of the healthiest offensive lines coming into last year, and. This has not been the case so far this year. There's been issues all across the offensive line, especially with right tackle Jack Conklin. So I think that is the big one of the biggest stories as to why he's not playing well this year either. He's killing it on those screens, though, Mayfield. Yeah, I like the Bengals in a bounce back spot, given less than three points this this week against the spread personally. Last note here from a very heavy news section before we jump into a few quick stats. The Rams waved Deshaun Jackson. Uh, we'll see if he signs somewhere. But all this does to me is just solidify Van Jefferson as a guy who I've been talking about all year and, and I think should be on like on 12-team rosters across all leagues. 100%. He ran the, ran the same exact amount of routes as Robert Woods and Cooper Cup last week and saw more air yards. He's doing it. And their backup tight end got hurt, too. I forgot his, his name, Monk, Monk or something. They, Monk, thank you. Yeah, and they, they actually went just far more three wide ever since then. And yeah, now with DJX out of the way and um, the uh, uh, Atwell also, he's he's done for two season-ending shoulder injuries. So yeah, I oh, think Van Jefferson is an absolutely a flex option uh, down the stretch. 
Robert Woods is also a little banged up. It sounds like they expect him to play, but uh, it is worth noting like Van Jefferson could see a lot more opportunity against the Titans on Sunday night. Uh, a beatable Titans secondary, by the way, allowed the fifth most passing yards in the league so far. All right, let's do a few quick stats before we preview Thursday night football. I want to talk about this Eagles stat, mostly because I want to talk about their opponent in the Chargers. The Eagles right now, I mentioned they play uh, soft, uh, pillow soft defense there. They allow the lowest average depth of target in the league and the highest completion percentage in the league, which is obviously that correlates together as to why that completion percentage is so high. But no team plays more zone coverage than the Philadelphia Eagles. No team presses at the line less often than the Eagles. Like they run a little similar to the Colts and just like a very bland. They, they kind of want to run that cover two style defense that you know is all over the league right now you know the, the two high safeties yada yada they play soft coverage their linebackers stink you know they've never drafted a good linebacker they have one of the worst linebacker units in the entire nfl they get after the passer a little bit but i mean they want to keep you passing short their week nine opponent the la chargers is on a two-game you know, obviously with the buy sandwich between it, a two-game nightmare of a stretch. Dalton, I have a lot of thoughts about the Chargers going into this matchup and also what's gone wrong with them the last two weeks. What is your read on this current Chargers slump, and are the Chargers a fraud as an AFC contender? Herbert, so interesting. He killed it as a rookie uh, when pressured, um, and then this year he's uh, he's struggled in that area. Um, I don't know. He's uh, I, I'm curious your thoughts. He's his average intended air yards is is not not super high, so that kind of plays into this defense. I mean, what are you thinking, Matt? Yeah, that was kind of my thought. Is that like I think he's a six point seven a dot quarterback right now, uh, or intended air yards as you mentioned, and that's kind of one of my big gripes with this team. I think they're in a way. I think they're kind of structurally flawed. And I like Brandon Staley as both a defensive play caller and as like a football guy, head coach, whatever. But we know that they want to like Brandon Staley's defense wants to allow you to run the ball, like encourage you almost to run the ball because it's the lesser of the efficient plays on offense. Like if you're encouraged to run the ball, then you're not taking those deep shots, you know, just plays into again, just the average, like average yards per carry average pass attempt, you know, which one you'd rather take there. So they want to encourage you to run the ball. You can do that when, like, with the Rams the last few years, they've been, you know, not a great run defense. You know, if you're, like, the 25th best run defense in the NFL, you can do that. You can't really get away with it when you're the 32nd ranked run defense in the NFL and teams can just establish the hell out of the run on you. And then you're putting your quarterback and your offense behind the sticks consistently and couple that with they're one of the most run-heavy teams. Like, they're not an aggressive first-down team. They don't throw on first down very often. They run the ball on first down a, a lot. And then they count on Justin Herbert to be hyper-efficient on late downs. Coming into last week, he was top five in EPA on third and fourth down. So you're cutting the margin for error pretty thin. And then, as you mentioned, they're not throwing the ball downfield. So this is like... Weirdly, you have Justin Her Herbert, who we all know has a whip, and you're making him into like a dink and dunk quarterback. You're not calling play. Joe Lombardi's not calling plays for, you know, late career Drew Brees right now. Like, That's what, exactly what I was going to yeah. say. That's what I was going to say. Someone I saw compare Joe Lombardi's turning him into the Drew Brees offense, the dink and dunk. And that's just obviously the opposite of what you should be doing when you have a guy with a freaking howitzer like, uh, like Herbert. So, yeah, it's very frustrating. So... I go back. So it's like, I'm pretty okay with these guys going into this week. Like 
you know, we were all gassed up in the first few weeks about look, look at Mike Williams, low a dot. It's slower yeah. than it needs to be. And it's like, well, now it started to turn into a problem. I think Mike Williams is still probably a top 20, top 24 fantasy receiver. So still a really great draft value. But like if you had put him in as like a set it and forget it, top 10 wide receiver, you're probably pretty irritated with the way the last two weeks has gone. I would be willing to go back to Mike Williams in this game because you know, part of what they've done with him is get him on those slants and like get him out of the open field, big body stuff like that. Sounds pretty perfect against this Eagles defense. Sounds pretty perfect for Keenan Allen, who's still been getting a ton of volume. Like I think those guys will bounce back here. I think Herbert will bounce back here, but the structural issues of the offense do have me still a little worried for every non Austin Eckler player in here. The rest of the way, you know what the Chargers should do Dalton is pick up Deshaun Jackson off waivers like they could use a guy with speed on this team I was gonna say though Eckler though boy he's not complaining about his usage the 10 targets last week so many three carries inside the 10 I mean he's actually getting the goal line carries as well so facing an Eagles defense allowed the third most fantasy points to running backs this week fire him up as a top three start but yeah it's been frustrating because I I was ready to to consider Mike Williams to set it and forget it top 12 you know wide receiver one ahead of Keenan Allen and that's clearly not been the case over the last few weeks so yeah he's still a an every week wide receiver too but not quite the star that I thought he was going to become but throw him the ball down the field and I think he can still develop that way but yeah you Eckler fighting through some injuries uh but you love the matchup this week and the usage is just really I mean 10 targets and the goal line work I mean that's uh like, like Dondre Swift you see how valuable that is for the for the Lions back and he's been graded as like one of the worst real life players in football this year <laughs> right right um yeah I think more downfield targets for Mike Williams would be great I mean even get get, get Keenan Allen on some corners and some posts and stuff like that just you watch this team Dalton and like everything just happens in the in this little small box where you can actually see it on the broadcast film like get some guys running downfield man you need to open this thing up but you brought up austin eckler how many other backs would you rather have in fantasy right now than austin eckler yeah only i mean yeah he has post, an argument right there Henry i mean world. yeah post exactly totally he has an argument right there with cook elliot jonathan taylor Najee harris camara maybe but it's right there one of the handful of the top fantasy backs right for sure all right, good. Yeah, we're on the same page there. I've been pretty late to bumping him up to my first tier. Of oh, backs, me too. I think it's yeah. Time. No, I think he needs to be man with those targets. Me too. To be clear, I don't. I don't have much Eckler or any Eckler probably, and uh, it's been to my detriment. But he's 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 when you get the, those amount of targets and the goal line work, it's just money. Yeah, I have. I did draft a lot of Austin Eckler both of the last two years, but been hesitant to consider him with Cook and Elliott and stuff like that just because he doesn't really have the carry upside but he's getting so much like of the targets that I just don't really think it matters and even John I mean Jonathan Taylor too he's a guy that deserves to be in this conversation as well so yeah that makes a ton of sense I wanted to have this conversation with you what do you th- let me what do you think about trading for the Seahawks wide receivers right now in some way you could call it buying high because they're both coming off big games they threw the ball like what three times to, to people who weren't named Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf last week. Pretty impressive stuff there. That was all like I, I know that I if I was an offensive coordinator, I'd be fired so fast. Like I, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, give me a break. Uh all this stuff, I would be so unqualified for it. But the one thing I would love to, you know, I would love to be, you know, you know, these like high-end consultants for businesses that like come into uh you know, come into broadcast meetings or something in like the mid 2010s and they're like, bright idea. Let's talk Tim Tebow. I, I'm actually telling a, per, a personal story here, but be that as it may. Guys <laughs> probably clearing like $300,000 or something for that consulting fee. I would like to get a consulting fee from NFL teams. And they asked me like, what's, what should we do with our, with our, with our playbook? Be like, 
I would just throw it to your good players. Like, let's identify the good players. And let's throw it to them. And in Seattle, we know that's just like hammer Tyler Lockett, hammer DK Metcalf. I found it pretty surprising over the last three weeks that Tyler Lockett actually has a 47.5% share of the team air yards. A lot of that probably comes from last week, but I still think like they've been trying to get him going. They obviously got him going against the Jaguars. Geno Smith looked all right when he wasn't playing against the Steelers and uh, the Saints. You know, the, the Seahawks have a buy this week. That's why it's kind of like buying at an interesting time because whoever has them on their rosters are not going to be able to use them this week, which might put a little bit of desperation on them, especially if you got Tyler Lockett. Like, you're already feeling frustrated. Then they get the Packers, the Cardinals, Washington, 49ers, and the Texans. And Russ, at some point in there, sounds like he's going to come back because he got his pin removed. What do you think about this idea? First of all, I just want to go on record and say Jonathan Taylor would be my number one fantasy back uh, rest of season if I were of to course, draft uh, of course, today. Yeah. And and the problem, right, it's shocker. Um, Seattle, yeah, people need bye week help right now. Makes maybe I'll throw an offer there. Obviously, they're coming off nice games though, and Locker was really probably on a lot of fantasy benches last week. Um, but um, you, you said the schedule, including next week, hopefully Aaron Rodgers is back. That could be a shootout. So, yeah, it's as simple as get the best players the ball. But especially with no Chris Carson, it was infuriating that Seattle was not targeting those two wideouts. But they got it done eventually. And uh, I believe Russell Wilson just started uh, posted a video of him throwing, too. And he's always been a quick healer. So I would not be shocked in the least bit if he's already back quarterback right after the bye. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising at all. And, like, if we're getting... Russ versus Kyler against that matchup in the Cardinal. I mean, I don't care if Rodgers plays for the Packers or not. That's a pretty good matchup either sure. way. Sure. Um, we'll see if Jair Alexander is Jair Alexander coming back this year. Like, I don't even know what this, the the whole situation is there. But um, you know, from a vertical pass perspective, they've allowed a lot of explosive plays. Has Green Bay? Um, so that's a good matchup. Pretty good shootout there with the Cardinals. Washington, we know they've been giving it up in explosive plays all year long. 49ers have a beatable secondary. Texans obviously are a clown show. Like, that is a great schedule. I can't imagine that, especially if Russ is back. Like, I'm ranking both of these guys in my top 20 of wide receivers in basically every single one of those matchups. So, yeah, like, you won't be able to get – if you can stand, like, not having them this week, especially Lockett, DK is going to be tougher to trade for. Um, you'd have to make kind of a big offer there, but I, I could see, you know, a, a Tyro Lockett trade being pretty easy to get done. And I still think he has a great back half of the season ahead of him. And it sounds like Carson is not returning this season and you got a banged up Alex Collins and Penny. I mean, as much as, yeah. as much as Carol wants to run the ball, I mean, with that defense, you know, allowing the most yards in football, I mean, they're just going to be forced to throw more than, more than he wants. Yeah, they're going to be into like the let's see what Marshawn Lynch is doing territory here pretty soon with their backfield. Um, last stat note I want to touch on. Uh, I want to touch on these four these teams that are four and four right now. Um, and I sorted them by point differential, all these four and four teams. I want to know who you think is the best of this group. We've got the Patriots, the Broncos, the Panthers the Browns, and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, by the way, are the only one of these teams with a negative point differential at minus 20. The Patriots are clearly the best. The Broncos are second, but, like, come on. I think we all know what's going on with the Broncos. Like, they're inflated from their first three weeks of the season against bad teams, Jets, Giants, etc. You know, I, I don't really have – they sell Von Miller at the trade deadline. It was a pretty good deal for them. I understand why they did it. Uh, but they could be kind of looking towards the future there in, in Denver – I don't really think they're in this conversation. So between the Patriots, Panthers, Browns, and Chiefs, who do you think is the best team from this bunch? 
Yeah, I agree to the Broncos. They've suffered numerous injuries on defense and trading away Von Miller is a sign of, uh, I get Judy back, but it's a boring answer, but I will go with the Patriots. Um, if they seem to be yeah, I think so. better as the season progresses under Belichick and Mac Jones has really looked very, very solid, unlike the rest of the rookies. Um, yeah, they have a solid defense. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm a Damian Harris guy, good offensive line, well-coached. Uh, Patriots, it's very annoying to say, but to me, they're like the clear stand. I would have said Cleveland a couple weeks ago, but um, I think there's real issues in Kansas City. So I would I pretty confidently say that, say the Patriots here. But that's just, I don't know, that that's, that's kind of boring saying with the bigger point differential. And they have beat up on some easier opponents and faced some rookie QBs uh, this year. But I don't know, man, they've just passed the eye test recently. They've uh, did, they, they, they played the Cowboys tough as well, too. So, yeah, yeah, give me the pats. I think so, too. And, you know, they still have some guys who are pretty useful in fantasy. Like, at some point, Jacoby Myers is going to – Jacoby Myers has at least graduated from not not getting in the end zone to two point uh, conversions. scoring two-point <laughs> conversions. At some point, maybe, maybe he'll actually get a touchdown. You never know. But, yeah, I still think, like, Myers is still, like, a fine wide receiver three in uh, PPR leagues especially. You know, Damian Harris is is what he is at running back, but um, he could have had a much bigger day against the Chargers if he didn't get a couple plays called back. So, like, they have interesting guys in fantasy, and I agree. Like, I think they they might be, like, a top three, four team in the AFC right now. The AFC is just such, like, a cluster um, after the Bills and the Ravens. I think you could throw anyone in a hat and discuss them as the top, the third team in the AFC. And then with Kansas City, like I, I and Cleveland, I think they were contenders coming into this year, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if either of them sneak into the playoffs. Especially Kansas City, like at any point, Kansas City can get hot with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Eventually, they're going to run out of time talking like that. But same same point still stands. Those two teams could sneak into the playoffs, but I don't think they are the same teams that we um, imagined they would be coming into the year. I think there are pretty big structural issues for Carolina. I don't even know what to say with the Panthers. I don't even know how to feel about the Panthers, man. Like what? I don't. I don't know. What? What do we do with the Panthers? I mean, Sam Darnold took a massive hit last week too. Maybe PJ Walker a week of practice. I believe he Coach Rule uh, was his coach in college too. So yeah, uh, yeah I know the quarterback situation is a problem. Sam Darnold looked like freed from Adam Gase. He's going to be much better, and he's just looked pretty much awful uh, for the last month. So uh, I know PFF graded him the highest QB last week. So what do I know? But um, he uh, definitely was concussed, and 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 hope if uh, you know they're a very weird team for sure. I mean, their their defense. Came to play last week, though. I will, I will say that. But, yeah, they're, they're a weird one. I um, Patriots are getting respect as three-and-a-half, four-point road favorites over a you know a pretty solid Carolina team. It's just like, yeah, they might be starting P.J. Walker. And, it, like, P.J. Walker has not looked good whenever he's come in the games this year. Uh, but, yeah, a week of practice maybe. We'll see. It's just weird that they're, they're a way worse offense, especially for fantasy. But just a, as a whole, they're a way worse offense this year than they were last year. And, I mean, they lost Curtis Samuel. Robbie Anderson's just playing like crap. I mean, it's just like there's no way around. He's just not playing well. Uh, when he gets opportunities, he's not converting on them. And then this last week, he doesn't get opportunities. They got Terrace Marshall coming back at least. Like maybe there's a second half leap for, leap for Terrace Marshall. But um, that's probably the only silver lining for this team because I still think the McCaffrey thing, like we're kind of in the wilderness with McCaffrey in terms of his usage. These things can both be true. That uh, running backs are the most easily replaceable position and, and almost always not worth like high draft capital. And Christian McCaffrey can be one of the most important offensive players in football also. Like, I mean, he's he, his him on or off the field, just a big difference for that offense. What he, the dynamic he brings as a, as a receiver. I mean, he's very, very important. One of the few running backs that really do, do matter. Yeah. Him and Derrick Henry. I like, I don't know that. I don't know your opinion about the whole post Derrick oh, yeah, Henry, um, uh, Henry Titans yeah, he death matters. chart. 
Yeah, he matters. Yeah, he definitely matters, but it's like they're not going to just throw Adrian Peterson in there and get like, you know, 80% of Derrick Henry. Like, they'll be lucky if they get 60%. Um, Peterson always proves me wrong, but man, how old is he now? I've, I've been going after McNichols personally. That guy put up some massive college seasons. His BMI looks like he could be a feature back. Um, he sees some targets. Um, I've been going after the younger legs, McNichols. What is your thoughts there? You're at AP? You're all in on 45-year-old? Yeah, yeah, you're all in on (laughs) Peterson. Oh, yeah, I'm all in, Dalton. I'm all in on Adrian Peterson. No, I did did add Adrian Peterson in a couple leagues, though. I mean, I don't know. I just like the McNichols thing. They've only used him as a scat back. Like, they were so aggressive about signing AP. Although, I think part of it, like... (laughs) I mean, I'm, no, I'm probably not right, dude. He's like 100 years old. Give me a break. I'm definitely not right about this. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, the, the question is like, we'll know here. We'll know a lot more about who's right about the uh, Tennessee backfield just off how they use these guys the first week out. Um, like, I think, per, like personally, if I was the Tennessee Titans, I would just try to become a, a more pass-first offense. Like. AJ Brown is on a freaking tear right now. He's, uh, I think, second in air yard share and target share over the last three weeks among all pass catchers. He's, I think, only trails Cooper Cup and CD Lamb in PPR point or uh, half PPR points per game over that stretch. And CD Lamb played one fewer game. Like he's been on a freaking tear the last two weeks. He's a certifiable baller, elite number one receiver. Julio should be healthy at some point, you know. I would if I was them. I would have probably tried to flip something for Beckham. Just, they, they have no cap room though. They have no cap room, so it's not worth discussing. But like, they got to try to become a better passing team. And then like, if that's the way that they go about it, which I don't think it is, it's the way I would go about it on my consulting fee. But um, in, in in real life, it's probably not what's going to happen. Then I think McNichols would actually be a pretty viable starter in PPR leagues. I'm super interested to see how Tennessee plays moving forward. Um, Tannehill will lose efficiency, no question, but I think it increases his fantasy value with Henry going down. AJ Brown after Cooper Cup. And Devontae Adams, he would be my number three fantasy receiver. I'd want the most uh, down the stretch. I He'll probably get hurt, certainly an injury risk. But the targets are going to be there now with Henry down. So, um, I, I, yeah, I like the setup for the, for the passing attack there. And maybe the answer is uh, none of the above when it comes to the running back replacement in Tennessee. But, yeah, that's certainly a situation that will be uh, worth paying attention to. And that will be a fun one, too, Sunday night in a, in a game with the Rams. And if the, if the Titans open that up, I absolutely think they could remain competitive. Uh, overlook the Titans, man, at your own peril. Every time you do, it's just they continue to just get it done, even if their advanced stats don't look like they should be. A team that weren't they like the number one seed? in the conference entering last week i mean yep. yeah so, yep. so they'll, they they'll still be really, are they still are well they still are wow so really sucks though henry going down you know i mean it's I crazy the guy played the what he played two and a half quarters with a jones fracture i mean what a beast i mean really really sucks though it, it, it i mean what what more can you say other than it? it's unfortunate i really wanted him to go 2k uh in two back-to-back years that would have been yeah. awesome uh so it's a bummer yeah i hope he can return for the playoffs too though like i hope the titans make the playoffs and he can be back that would be pretty totally. electric uh love we everybody knows i love derrick henry but yeah we'll see how this goes the titans always play up to good teams like they play up to good teams the rams are one of the best teams in the entire nfl they've basically waxed their last three opponents they've scored over 100 points their opponents have scored 52 uh so yeah this is like a big test i think for both teams actually so that will be a fun game to discuss but dalton we have to discuss a much more fun game uh here a thursday night football new york jets at indianapolis colts the mike white uh revolution it continues dalton uh, do we talk about mike white on last week's show 
I don't know, but I do, I am just now remembering that in a Brad Evans league, Superflex lead, league, we did a blockbuster yes. trade. Uh, you yeah. offered me Cole Beasley for uh, my Mike White, two alphas we traded, uh, Mike White for oh, Cole, yeah. Cole Beasley. Two cornerstones <laughs> of fantasy football. <laughs> it's so funny. Beasley has another nice game, and White just looks unbelievable. Just all the checkdowns, but yeah, Magic Mike White, just unbelievable. Just throwing to Michael Carter every other play with an upset against the Bengals. Sorry, I didn't mean to rub it in. I didn't realize you had him in, in Survivor, but... Uh, yeah, he came through. The, no, the Jets came to play. That was just a tough situation for the Bengals playing their third straight road game coming off the monstrous win against the Ravens. Um, but uh, yeah, what do we make of, of, of Magic Mike on a Thursday night, uh, you know, isolated island game? It should be fun to watch him yeah. go up against, you know, Indy with this defense with number one rush defense in DVOA, but they can get passed on. Right. OK, so first of all, this is like when having too many takes can can screw you uh, because. I did make that trade for Mike White with you, and I, there was two reasons I had to do it. Well, number one, I, I literally had to do it because I had Zach Wilson. Uh, by the way, that team in that league is like dead in the water, so it's like I, it sucks. It's not good. You know, I it was a uh, salary cap league, and I spent money on friggin' Brandon Ayuk, Antonio Gibson, and Allen Robinson. So, yeah, uh, all my guys coming into this year, I made sure to get them, and I made sure to screw myself for the rest of the season by getting them in that league. So it's like, number one, who cares? Uh, number two, it's a super flex league. I had Lamar Jackson and Zach Wilson was my second quarterback. There's another whiff there. Waited too long on that second quarterback. I stuck with Zach Wilson and Lamar was on by last week. So it's like, I have no legitimate quarterback to play. I might as well just throw Dalton this, you know, Cole Beasley for uh, for freaking Mike White here just to get a couple starts out of him. And although I was actually optimistic about Mike White, not to the point that I thought he'd throw for 400 yards, but this is the take I'm pissed that I didn't get off on the podcast or anywhere else last week. You know, if you think about it, Dalton, Mike White coming in to this game last week against the Bengals, like Zach Wilson, we knew coming into the NFL was the most like out of structure playmaker of all time, right? Like he was a guy at BYU who had great protection, but when he didn't have great protection, he would just boot out of the pocket, do the little like point downfield thing and like, you know, rifle balls into tight coverage. You know this from watching the Shanahan offense. That's not what they want to do. You know, this is obviously a Shanahan uh, tree team over there in New York. It actually kind of made complete sense to me that, oh, a guy who's not Zach Wilson could come in here and just run the offense. You know, like they're asking Zach Wilson, who has like a, a complete overly playmaker mentality to go in there and like dump the ball off to the running back, like take the check down. That's never going to happen. But it would happen with a guy like Mike White. And we saw the tremendous success of it. And I don't know that – look, Robert Sala, your guy Robert Sala did no favors uh, for himself by saying like anything can happen after the Mike White thing on Thursday night yeah. or uh, on, on yeah. Sunday night. I don't even know why you would say that. But uh, whatever. I, I don't know, man. I, so I was optimistic about Mike White being able to run and execute this offense because I think they've got talent at wide receiver. And I believe in this system getting the most out of quarterbacks. But – this is not like an, a, 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 a hammer in the nail for Zach Wilson's career, but I do think he's like an ill-equipped player to run this offense right now. So Mike White did that last week. First of all, it was all under, he's like the lowest A dot, and yet he threw for more than 400 yards, but he did that without Corey Davis, and he missed a red zone trip in the medical tent, too. He might have scored another True. touchdown. It was a LeFleur Shanahan weekend as White finishes the QB3, and Jimmy G finishes a QB2 behind oh. only Josh Allen last week. Pretty funny. Um, I, I mean, he threw one pass, you know, two yards to uh, to um, Debo, who took it 86 yards to the crib. So, um, of course. yeah, Mike White is this, so Michael Carter's a 
real thing now. Uh, Mike Clay yes. uh, tweets, the, J- the Jets have directed a 40% of their targets to running backs over the last two weeks. Carter leads the team with a 25% target share during that span. So even though I mentioned the Colts are really difficult to run on, go ahead and fire up Carter in your uh, DFS lineup or your regular lineup because he's just going to see a lot, a lot of checkdowns. Yep, yeah, 276 yards from scrimmage over the last two weeks. Uh, you mentioned it, team high, 21 targets, 58 routes run. That's second on the team. I mean, he is a legit piece of this passing game. Where would you rank him, like, rest of season? I think he's not going away the rest of the way. Not at all, yeah, RB2, like top 24-ish, whatever. Agreed. I mean, running back, yeah, I mean, yeah, easily, yeah, yeah. Agree. Uh, yeah, listen, this is like... I I think he's a good player. And the fact that this is all coming after their bye week is pretty huge. That's, I think, like a, a you know, note for its sustainability. Yeah, I, I think that you are playing Michael Carter. He's only 15 bucks in our daily game, too, by the way. Like, you can easily get him in there at that salary. On the other side, man, Colts are kind of simple. Like, Carson Wentz is, whew, he's Carson Wentz. He finally had a, 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 a real shaky game after a stretch of four really nice contests. He averaged just 4.5 yards per attempt against the Titans. That's a beatable defense, and he was extremely jumpy and turnover prone. That being said, the Jets are the 28th ranked defense in DVOA. Like This is another pretty soft spot for Carson Wentz. And then in the skill position room, it's your guy, Jonathan Taylor, uh, who ranks second in the NFL with 30, 375 rushing yards. He's only trailing Derrick Henry. He uh, leads the NFL with 12 runs of 10-plus yards. What an explosive freak show that guy is. And then it's Michael Pittman. And Michael Pittman is uh, looking like a legit number one receiver. It wins in all areas. He's on pace for 85 catches and over 1,200 yards. So funny, I had a 50-1 to Derrick Henry MVP ticket I started crying about. And then I, this morning, I remembered... I have a Jonathan Taylor rushing title, 10 to 1 ticket that I bet more on before the season. Now, I don't get everything right. I have Calvin Ridley to win a receiving yardage title this year, too. Don't think that one's going to hit. But yeah, Taylor at 10 to 1. Now, he's a few hundred. It's going to take him a couple weeks, but he's uh, he is only behind Derrick Henry in the rush. And that schedule for the Colts looks very favorable down the stretch. He's getting all the red zone looks, too. So as frustrating as usage has been, man, Taylor looks wheels up. And then Michael Pittman, your guy. I was gonna, That's what I was going to ask you earlier. Where, I have him ninth right behind Devonte adams this week with no hilton he's just looks like the the guy getting all the work he looks the real deal he's the year two breakout that was not even talk you know he wasn't people weren't that aggressive at, at, at draft tables getting him but man he's benefited from uh from wentz and and just his situation and he's been fantastic just 19 dollars in dfs this week too yeah he's been unleashed my analysis with michael Pittman, who's like a guy i was extremely high on this offseason is that you know he was such an antithetical fit with philip rivers and it's not yeah. always pretty with Carson Wentz, but he's flinging it downfield to to Michael Pittman. You know, they give him a lot of checkdowns and stuff like that, but he also like has an inherent trust that like, oh, contested situation, I'm gonna fling this thing to Michael Pittman, and either it's gonna be a PI, which is unbelievable how much off how much yardage they're getting off PIs right now, or Pittman's gonna come down with it in contested situations. Like he, he he's a stud, dude. He's an he's a bona fide number one wide wide receiver. He deserves to be ranked inside the top ten, like you mentioned. Any interest in any Jets? Wide receivers, you know, we're, we talked about the fact that, like, that all their running backs caught so many passes. Even Ty Johnson was involved in the pass game. You know, Jamison Crowder, um, I think, I think actually, yeah, so 24 of Mike White's 37 completions went to running backs or slot receivers. Jamison Crowder, Braxton Berrios, whatever. Any interest in any of those guys? Because it does sound like Corey, da- Corey Davis is doubtful to play in this one. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe Elijah Moore catches a deep ball one of these days, but I like Crowder at 15. Corey Davis, you know, a short week now after a game he missed, so who knows how close to 100% he'll be even if he does suit up. And you mentioned it, Mike White, mostly underneath stuff. So you like the slot guy. Not ideal that Yahoo's just half PPR. You like Crowder more in full yeah. PPR. But um, yeah, I don't know. A lineup, fit, you can you can fit uh, Crowder pretty nicely with, with Carter even at both uh, affordable 15 bucks. Yeah, I think he's a he's like a top 35 receiver this week is Jamison Crowder without Corey Davis. And yeah, I don't mind Elijah Moore at 11 bucks either. Um, I know Denzel Mims led the team in routes run, uh, which was encouraging to see. Like that was nice because Denzel Mims, uh, you know, is a guy they've been kind of burying. And I, I like Denzel Mims as a, as a flyer. So we'll see. But, you know, Elijah Moore, 5.8 average depth target last week. They actually made it more of a point to get him the ball in space, which is that's how he won in college, man. Um, so like, I actually think that's, that would be nice to see against the Colts uh, team. Like you want to get the ball out quick in space. They're a pretty hardcore cover two defense. Like they'll give you that open middle of the field area. So um, yeah, I don't mind Elijah Moore at $11, but he's a guy that I just mostly want to monitor and see if he can benefit from the Mike White revolution. And then with no Hilton and uh, Pittman, maybe they overcompensate last week's two touchdowns and defend him. And it's Zach Pascal for $13 would be another possible flyer if you wanted to go contrarian. I love it. All right, Dalton, that's all we got. Anything else? Uh, what What else you got going on this week, man? Got my sit start column uh, Friday, and then my pod with uh, Liz Loza tomorrow. Good, good talking football with you, man. Always, always good talking with you. We had a lot to cover this week, so that was uh, that was fun. What a strange, wild day, uh, November third here in the NFL. But that is going to do it for us little podcast promotion for you. The Texas Longhorns are involved in a scandal that includes a stripping emotional support monkey that bit a trick-or-treater on Halloween. Do you want to know more? Well, I mean, after a sell like that, of course you do. Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and SI's Pat Forty broke down the whole story for you on the latest episode of the College Football Inquirer. Look for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's going to do it for us, but we'll keep the conversation going on Twitter. Follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and follow Dalton Del Don at Dalton Del Don for uh, no tweets. Oh, I wish I wish wish was no tweets for either of us, but Dalton's much better about it than me. Uh, but if you want fantasy analysis and news updates from the entire team, give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. As Dalton mentioned, he's going to be back tomorrow with the preview of Sunday's NFL games with Liz Loza. But until then, we are out. Yeah.